the Because Show. Hi, Because Show. Hey, Because Show lady. Hey there, Because Show lady. Hi, Because Show. Okay. 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 It's like the Because Show is personal. Anything goes. Lazy fair. Smart. We talk about serious subjects like money, sex, divorce, sex toys, ex boyfriends, vibrators. vibrators. <laughs> We've got third wave feminism on our side. Mm-hmm. What we're saying is we love you guys and we're happy to be here. People really like us because they want to feel like they're hanging out with their best friends. Yep. Why do people listen? Why do people listen? To feel superior? It's Geraldine, Amy, and Susan. Yay! It is a thing. The Picasso Show. Get it on baldmove.com. Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're covering Season 2, Episode 3, titled Bit by a Dead Bee. Uh, what do you think of this episode? Bit by a Dead Bee right on the wiener. It's uh, <laughs> it's kind of a slowdown episode. It's kind of, uh, uh-huh. you know, you can't, you can't have the crazy shoot up the drug lord episodes all the time. You gotta have a, a, a chance to breathe, reset, see... What's happening? I mean, I I remember thinking just being gobsmacked when I was watching this for the first time, and Walter walks in. You, you know, you're you're seeing this string of clothes, <laughs> and uh-huh. you see him bare ass naked, and realize what he's doing. Yeah, and then jet, and this it's all very kind of like clever and mm-hmm. funny, and seeing what how his family reacts to that, it's uh, it's 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 great. I had. I was super surprised to see that we saw uh, Uncle T.O. Uh, uh, reappear uh, one more, t- uh, just just back to back episodes. It felt like I would have sworn. No, nah, I got it. I got it. I can't. I can't say more. It might be a, a, a spoiler. Okay. But uh, no, I, I really, really enjoyed it. It's it was a uh, a quieter, uh, more carefully constructed, subtly acted episode than last one. What about you? Yeah, I, I'm with you. It definitely slowed down a little bit. Um, but at the same time, it deals with a lot of the issues that were brought up in the first couple of episodes. Uh, such as? Such as the cell phone, such oh, as sure. the aftermath of what Hank is going through uh, right after the shootout with Tuco. It seems like that... I, I get the impression, because of like, the shot through the window, that maybe he's not as solid as Marie seems to think when she's like, oh, Hank, Hank's invincible. Totally. Like totally. I, I can see it on his face that he's not quite the invincible guy that everyone thinks he is. Totally. Even though, you know, right after that, he comes out to the birthday party and he's acting just like old Hank. Sure. Um, but I, I don't know. It deals with a lot of stuff that needed to be dealt with uh, fairly quickly. Like, they didn't waste any time on that second cell phone stuff. Yeah. As soon as Walt gets home, boom, second cell phone. What's that all about? Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, do we have anything to talk about before we get into the episode? Uh, a couple things. I'm going to throw it to the wide angle on, on the studio. Um, our buddy Richard from ScreenMonsters.com, who's sponsored a couple of our Walking Dead promotions, uh, came up with this really sweet print of uh, uh, Mike the Mantrout. Yeah. No half measures right here. It's it's kind of tough to see it, but you can go to ScreenMonsters.com to check it out, and he's got one for uh, Jesse and one for Walt. Yep. Uh, I think the Walt is the eye and the one that knocks. But they're all really, really sweet. Uh, if you're looking for some cool Breaking Bad swag, um, he's not even paying us for this. I just <laughs> just like Richard and his work. Yeah, it's really uh, cool. Check it out. 
Uh, also, uh, check our survey at uh, survey.ballmove.com. We're shutting that thing off in January and starting to compile the results. And uh, it's the if you know uh, other than dropping us an email and telling us what what horrific bastards we are, it's the best way to give us a piece of your mind. Tell us what we're doing right, uh, what we can do better, what you're looking forward to, so we can make Bald Move a better network, better to suit suit you. So check that out, survey.baldmove.com. We'd appreciate your support on that. Mm-hmm. I got a little behind the scenes information in this episode. Okay. Would you he- care to hear it? Uh, yeah, why not? This episode was directed. <laughs> Directed one of these days are gonna be like nah fuck it yeah, yeah. I don't give a shit about who wrote <laughs> directed this thing uh, it was directed by Terry McDonough who is um, a British director primarily he's been okay. working since the mid eighties uh, I'm gonna because I know we've got a surprising amount of European and, and UK and uh, uh, people to watch the show we got a piece of feedback from one in fact so I'm gonna go ahead and list off you might recognize these peak practice where the heart is sweet medicine the royal Wire in the Blood, The Street, and Vincent. In 2008, he began directing uh, American television, uh, primarily Breaking Bad. He's done a couple other things, like Criminal Behind, uh, Criminal Minds. Criminal Behinds. Criminal Behinds, which we saw. We saw him display this episode. We sure did. Um, Also, if you're a UK or a Doctor Who fan, he is uh, directing a docudrama, An Adventure in Space and Time, uh, which is a... Hmm. Kind of like a one of those like like social network retellings of the origin of uh, Brit- the uh, uh, Doctor Who series. Huh. Okay. So it's kind of like you know a fake but real mm-hmm. account of how it all started and filming all that, which seems like it'd be yeah. entertaining. You'd be surprised how tangled up in that the Winklevoss twins are. <laughs> it's, it's really shocking. <laughs> I'd be shocked. It was written by Peter Gould, which I. So Peter Gould has almost no credits to his name other than Breaking Bad. Uh, and he worked as a writer and executive producer on the entire series and his co-showrunner <laughs> show, showrunner with Vince Gilligan for Better Call Saul. Wow. I feel like him and Vince might have gone to... Didn't, didn't he go to USC, Vince? I don't know. Because Peter, I, I, know, know. I saw taught there in the mid-90s. Uh. And I wonder if there's an alumni connection and, and, and this guy is like an academic and... Hmm. Nepotism? Vince. Is that what you're talking about? Well, I mean, you, you work with the people that you, you know are good, right? Sure, when, definitely. So, uh, clearly he was good. Yeah. He's won four, count them, four Writers Guild of America awards mm. for his writing on the show. And again, he's he's co-runner for uh, Better Call Saul. So, I I was curious because I didn't, I think this is the first one that he might have been on, on Kelly's podcast, the official one. Mm-hmm. And the Breaking Bad Insider, I didn't get a chance to listen to that this week, and I was hoping that maybe Vince would talk about their history, because that's one question mark. I don't know where he came from, because it's like immaculate conception. He he showed up in the writer's room fully formed as an expert, award-winning writer. Yeah, that's all right? he's done. Strange. So there you go. That's that's what I dug up. Okay. And speaking of digging... Yeah, let's start out with the episode. <laughs> uh, while what? Jesse are out in the desert, they're digging a hole for the gun. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're out near. It's right after last episode. They've run out into the desert. Uh, they they end up walking around for ages down this road, and they finally find a truck that picks up Walt. And uh, Jesse kind of goes his own way. I don't I don't know how Jesse gets back. I mean, Hoofs does he it. flag down another car somewhere called Windy? Called up Windy, maybe maybe. Uh, didn't seem like they had cell phones though. I don't know. Do you? 
Yeah, because he borrowed Wendy's cell phone, and his cell phone he had lost. It was in Tuco's thing or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah Tuco broke it and threw it out in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Do you... Shit, what was I going to say? Oh, the dirt cam. Oh, Another yeah. Another one of the iconic kind of like Breaking Bad camera tricks. Uh-huh. They do this a lot where you're underneath something. I mean, they did it when they were scooping up... Uh, who was the other not crazy eights? Uh, Emilio. They're scooping up Emilio stuff. They do several things where they're getting stuff in and out of trunk. Yeah, this when, is like a go to shot. Did, sorry, I, I was looking at my notes. Did you mention the one where they're cleaning up the the body from the floor? Yeah, of Jesse's house. Okay, clean the body from the floor. <laughs> yes, yes, Emilio. Yeah, disgusting. What do you think of the full Mister White Monty? The full Mr. Monty. Uh, yeah, yeah. So next scene, convenience store clerk finds clothes all over the store. And oh, I thought this was the traces all the same. them back. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of is. I like how Jesse uh, describes this as a bold plan, Mr. White. Yeah, yeah. It's this good. is a bald. This is a bald move. It's definitely about to do. Uh, definitely a bald move. He is uh, completely naked in that store, and I like the thing I really love about it. So first of all, it's it they lead up to it really well, right? Like there's this door and it's not shutting like what's going on with this door why why is this convenience store door doing this sure oh pan down it's his shoe and then that leads to the the shirt and mm-hmm. the pants and the underwear oh yeah the tidy white and then you're like oh no walt's never done this without underwear what's he uh-huh. doing uh-huh. and then you see him completely naked and you you hear people <laughs> horrified and screaming and you the, the brilliant shot is the one where it shows his face mm-hmm. and the people behind him and he's just like God, this is going to be humiliating. Mm-hmm. So humiliating, but I got to do it. That's really awesome. I love that part of it. Yeah, he closes his eyes and gives the like. <laughs> how Brian Cranston kind of like subtly juts out his lower jaw uh-huh. and kind of lets it go slack. It's his uh, Walter White can't believe the shit that he's putting up with. <laughs> Starting an eye much, roll yeah. before he closes his eyes. Yeah. Yeah, what have, I, what have I sunk to? Good stuff. Uh, you mentioned something about this being a butt double. Is this an actual butt double? Yeah, is this, this is... Joe Griffinberg's butt? <laughs> uh... I don't think he started till season four and five. Oh, okay, okay. So not his butt. Not his butt. This could be the. This could be the Cranston. Oh, okay. So you, you were just guessing it's a butt double. I was just speculating. Info on that. Spe- I've never seen the uh, bare white ass before. Yeah. yeah. The BWA. I don't know. I could buy that Cranston would have done this himself. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes. I definitely buy it. It's not a buying problem. Yeah, he might have even written it into the script. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always wanted... Uh, There's always been a limitation as an actor to have my ass and clad... <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. Encased rather in tidy whities I need to free, yeah. free the get cheeks. Get these clothes off me. Just me and the screen. Me and the screen. Yeah, going to, from Mr. Cheeks to Scarface. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Next next scene. Yeah, he's he's in the hospital, and he's basically acting like he lost his memory. His uh, family comes in. His doctors are talking to him. Spoiler. Uh, acting. Jeez. I was well, buying this whole fugue state. No, you can't buy the fugue state at this point. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's saying, you know, oh, I don't remember where I was, all this stuff. And we don't actually know about the fugue state yet, right? Like, we're, we're kind of still wondering what the hell his plan is here. I thought they mentioned fugue state in this uh, scene. Later on, they come up when once a doctor yeah. is aware that he's just full of shit, uh-huh. he comes up with the like one time global amnesic 
episode yes. or whatever. I, uh-huh. I forget. It's a, clearly a bullshit diagnosis. Global, like, transient apologies, global amnesia. Apologies if someone does su- suffer from transient global amnesia. I'm sure that would be... Th- that's the point of that. It's supposed to sound kind of yeah. like bullshit. Uh-huh. It's a brain cloud. He had a brain cloud. Yeah. Uh, or a brain fart, if you want to be uh, applicable to the rest of this episode. We'll get there. Um, Skyler and Marie are talking on the phone about Walt's return and then... Uh, kind of the topic switches to Hank's state after the gunfight. Marie's saying, you know, all, all Marie can do while they're having this conversation about Walt is focus on him being naked. He was na- he, totally naked? Not, not in Whole Foods, right? We yeah. know people there. Uh-huh. We, we, like, I shopped there. I don't want to be anywhere where Walt's been naked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought that was funny. So a couple things. What would you make of the man rowing out to the sea painting? I, I remember not thinking it's interesting. I remember not thinking much of it, and I've got some stuff to yeah. talk about in the spoiler take. But when I'm watching this with new eyes, I'm looking at this thing and it seems pretty obvious. You got a single uh-huh. man in a rowboat rowing out to the sea, which is traditionally a mysterious mysterious, dangerous place, and leaving his family. Yeah. His wife and two children sure. on the shore, and they're kind of looking across and you can't tell whether it's a sad departure or happy departure or whatever. I mean that's Walt. He is by choosing, I mean, he could have. It's one of those things where you, the old Woody Woodpecker show, uh, where they they uh, had the if if only if Woody had gone to the police at this point, none of this would ever have happened. If if Walt had just cashed in and said, you know, I've got seventy, eighty grand, whatever, I can pay for my treatments. You know, I don't have to leave my family in debt. I, I can get out now. He could he, have, right? Uh, yeah, he could have gotten out, but. He wouldn't have money for to provide for his family when he's gone. I know. I'm just saying this That's, is one of those points where he had a clean break, uh, just like when, when yeah, they yeah. killed Crazy Eight. He had another You're point right. where he could have started over. There's and no one he here. Chose not to. Yeah, there's no one here to bring down any consequences on him. He could have just quit. Certainly. Sure. Um, what do you think of? Because uh, I think it's interesting because Walt's lying ability is all over the map throughout the whole season or series. Like, it kind Kinda, of, like, depends yeah. on who he's lying to and what the lie consists of and how well it's rehearsed. I thought his lying and bafflement and, and being there, lying in bed and, like, talking to the doctors and protests, I thought that was all really, really good. Yeah, it was definitely well done. Um, and I think the family and the doctors, um, the doctors are a little skeptical, especially when they bring up the prescription drug stuff. Like, oh, all this, all these drugs. Like, don't tell the doctor that the drugs are the problem they know better than you do uh but yeah i i think definitely skyler buys it at that point yeah i was surprised at because i you know leaving off last episode i kind of thought that maybe here's where skyler j- this is the bridge too far like she after mm. she goes through all this but she naked, was really, really naked walt <laughs> she was really really happy to see him yeah. back and uh it was a very tearful reunion from the family i i Again, it felt like Walt could have salvaged his situation here. Sure. Yeah, he could he could check out of the meth game and probably be fine until the day he dies. Sure. Just coming up quickly. Um so Hank recounts what happened at the hideout. He's talking to uh to Merkert and an investigator of some kind. I, what is the name for this debriefing called? There's, there's the after like action a, report after sh- something like that. There's yeah. an official name for it, I think. Do you, um, is this the first we've seen of Merkert? I kind of say that it is. I think so. And technically, you don't know his name yet. I don't think. Right. 
But yeah, his name is Merkert. Spoiler alert. Yeah, he's the special agent in charge. Yeah. I don't think that's a He's spoiler. Hank's boss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't have too much to say about that. I mean, it seems like, you know, the investigator is appropriately skeptical of his story and just, just questioning him on a lot of things. It does seem pretty fantastic. Sure. Like, you got there, the guy was already shot, and you had a shootout with him. Why didn't you call backup? Like... All those, all those are good, important questions to ask. I don't feel like he was bending him over a barrel here. Sure. One thing we ponder in the feedback section is this was such a coincidence and such a leap. Should Hank had a, a better handle on what was going on with his brother-in-law? I don't want you to answer it now. Just kind of be thinking about it because we get that in the feedback. But uh, also, Marie saying that, you know, Hank, he's indestructible. Did he seem indestructible in this interview to you? I thought... Not completely. I thought he seemed fairly rattled as far as Hank goes. Sure. And, and especially the shot where, where Marie and Marie is talking and she says that and it's showing Hank through the window. Yeah. That's the shot that made me think, okay, he's he's stone-faced right now, but he's stone-faced in a way that says, I'm not totally fine sure so i don't know a lot of people being shot through blinds i know over on Bull uh-huh. that uh, aria was making some connections about that being a particular particular technique that suggests you know some kind of barrier or a inner struggle or something um because you see it with jesse when when we we uh, see him confronted with Tio and all this other stuff. He's always got like these blinds. Do you think that that's the case, or is it just a visually interesting shot to throw the Venetian pattern on someone's face? I think they do a lot of stuff that is just visually interesting. Yeah. Um, although, I think it's my natural inclination as a podcaster and as someone who's analyzing this show to want to connect it to what's going on in the episode. Yeah. Um, and I, I have some stuff to talk about, which we'll get to, it just, which it, is more more cinem- cinematics related. Yeah. And it just feels like show me a an office building with like glass partitions that doesn't have a blind for privacy. It's yeah, like yeah. you know, so maybe it's just they're just using what's there. Yeah, could be. So Jesse's staking out his house, his own house with Badger. <laughs> it's uh, a stakeout of a stakeout. It is, yeah. The police are Double stakeout. trying to find him all the way. Because that that's Hank's thing now that he's uh found Jesse's car, he's trying to connect the the two jesse and his car and so the police leave and then jesse goes inside to get rid of all the cooking equipment in the basement and badger is less than helpful uh and during this whole process he, he's like i want to cook another batch come on just real quick sure before we break it down and then a guy comes up comes to uh pick up the rv and tow it somewhere what'd you think of the uh the cops are like jehovah's witnesses gag i thought it was funny oh did you too yeah. I still get a Hanging little thrill. Around. It's so uncommon that that name gets dropped in, in media. Yeah. It's always in some kind of door-to-door context. I always get a little, uh-huh. ha-ha. They always say it incorrectly, though. What do they say? Every time. They said Jehovah Witness. Oh, Jehovah. This. It's not a Jehovah Witness. Jehovah. Jehovah's Witnesses. Sure, sure. It, they're his property. Just view it that way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I own you. <laughs> but and yeah, legally that, that binding sense me. of the word. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, did you... Oh, there, there's just so much great stuff, like ba- Badger humping the methylamine <laughs> barrel. Badger is a riot. I love that guy. It reminds me of that scene in... Uh, what is the... Uh, Harold and Kumar? 
where the one guy seen. gets the is it a whole ounce or is it a pound of weed? Oh, and he has a whole sequence he where whole... he has sex with the weedy, and, and then uh-huh. he marries it, and then it's like you know he's got a wife beater on, and he's having trouble paying the bills, <laughs> and they get in an argument. It's like a five minute sequence of this yeah. man's love of this pound of weed. It, it reminded me <laughs> they totally very, done that. very much of, of of that. Yep, yep, that's Badger man. He loves meth. He loves mm-hmm. it. Uh, there's some really interesting uh, cinematography stuff here. Oh, uh, do tell. A couple of times in this episode, they shoot characters out of focus through objects with, uh, like, in the foreground. Um, mm-hmm. This time, it's through the fence, uh, the gate of Jesse's driveway. Sure. And they're shooting the fence in focus, and Jesse and Badger out of focus as they're loading the methylamine into the RV. Uh, they do that again with Walt near the end, where they show the IV in focus, and they show Walt completely out of focus. Um that I thought that was really cool to say to kind of show us the the mental state of these guys a little bit. Like Walt in this episode is supposed to be foggy on everything, sure. right? And he's just been through an experience that has taxed him on every level, sure, physically, mentally, everything. So him, I, I feel like him and Jesse being out of focus in this episode a little bit is kind of an interesting way, like showing them being out of focus is an interesting way to say, hey, this is what these guys are feeling hmm. visually. It's also, I think it's the re, I want to say restructuring, but the recontextualizing of Badger and Jesse's relationship. What like, do you mean? You know. Oh, when he has. Jesse's been a dumbass. Shut the hell up, yeah. He's been a dumbass, ne'er-do-well, uh, stumblefuck for, and just like Badger, Jesse is starting to grow, and yeah. already it's causing some friction, and like Badger not wanting to recognize the fact that there is some real shit going on. That this isn't, you know, like, like the cops are just outside, you yeah. moron. Badger can't imagine. Badger's so small time. Yes, he can't imagine the shit that's coming down on Jesse right yeah. now. Yeah, and you, you, like, in the second episode where Skinny P and Badger are over there, and uh-huh. they're like just trying to score some meth off Jesse, and they're like, "Hey, man, you know, we're going about to bounce if you got." And it feels like that Jesse was always the one man down, or maybe he's the man down in the relationship, and that maybe mm. Badger and Skinny P saw themselves as le- This is kind of like Jesse yeah, yeah. starting to re like, don't mess with me. Yeah, and they're taking him serious. They're starting to uh-huh. take him serious. He just can't afford to let these guys do what they've been doing before. Sure. I mean, that's not, not something he can... That's not an option for him. Sure, sure. Um, so then Jesse tells Badger to give him two hours and call an anonymous, anonymous tip. So we don't know what's up with that yet, but just that, the tip? that quickly pays off. A couple just a tip, now. Jim? Just an anonymous tip, yes. Okay. Uh, then we go to Walt, who's trying to remember what happened during the time he was gone. and uh, You know, ch- trying to remember in that way, like trying not to act like he's not trying yeah, to remember. Yeah. That sort of thing. Sure. Uh, and he suggested the problem might be his meds, like we talked about earlier. Um, and he's feeling better without him. And Skyler's kind of on his side here, you know? Uh, Plus, he denies being stressed out, and Skyler's like, are you kidding? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got this, that, and the other, and I'm like, you don't even know about the murderous drug lord trying to kill him. I mean, right? you don't know half of it, lady. I like that he doesn't really count on the doctors being so insistent on helping him. Like, he just wants to wave his hand and say, oh, I'll be fine, don't worry, and then head out. That's not going to happen here. They're not going to release him until he's done a psych eval. They're oh, it's sure a clear that he's pattern. healthy. He's like, I, this is I the know. perfect thing. And it's like, oh, but 
from a doctor's perspective, you had a disassociative yeah. state where you don't remember. Like, what if you were in a car? What if I, I? What did you think about their statement of what if you, this happens in front of the police? Or that came kind of came out of nowhere. Like, what if this happens in front of the police? What? What the? I thought I wrote it down. Huh? I don't remember anything about the police here. Maybe it's in a next scene um, where, but the the, the cop huh. is talking about some of the things that might happen. Uh-huh. Um, and you're stuck here till we determine a cause. I thought it's like you know the what if what if uh, you do this in front of the police and you get hurt or shot or something like that. <laughs> but uh, sure, sure, I could buy that. Uh, you get a naked man running at you, and you're a cop. You're probably going to be like, oh, that, that was that like that this. that came in that came in later with the uh, uh, the therapist. Ah, okay, my fault. I got I jumped ahead. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I just like how it shows his plans are good in a lot of respects, but sure. not perfect. Right. So that's kind of nice to see. Then we get the DEA raiding the Crystal Palace, and they arrest Jesse. Uh, looks like that was his plan. He's trying to get Wendy to finish her last hit before the cops get there so there will be no drugs. Ballsy plan. Yeah. you got to be pretty confident that you can talk your way out of this thing. Yeah. I'm ter- I mean, they don't have any evidence on him other than his cars at the scene. Sure. I mean, that's... Man, calling and swatting yourself. <laughs> I know. Because that's something that I've worried about. You know, it's something that people do. Like, you know, when people start streaming stuff live, like we're doing, and you get big enough, it seems like that's something that, that, that people, like, assholes. People? Yeah, I was going to say, assholes don't find do out where you are and then say that you've got a gun or you've been making threats or you've been building a bomb. Mm-hmm. And then a SWAT team kicks your door in live on camera, mm-hmm. and someone will get killed. One of these oh, days, yeah. because I mean, they shoot people all the time in the streets. Well, none of neither of us are black, so maybe we don't have to worry about it because that seems to be the trend. No, we're lately. worst. We're we're the lonely. I mean, no, we're not. We're, I don't want to. I'm gonna check my privilege. Okay, but good. there's also <laughs> the lone internet creepy white guy. Sure, in the basement we, dwelling, we could fit that. We could fit that trench coat. You're coming wearing. in, you're wearing some fucking hoodie. We're both wearing hoodies. We're 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 boozed. We're liquored up. Uh huh. Yep. We got mic. We got we're we're we got mics in front of our mouths. Who knows what that? <laughs> you point that mic at. The, I don't know. I don't sure. know where I'm going with this. Are you filming me? Boom. I'm just saying. Done. I'm just saying that it's the the police are scary. <laughs> that's my police are scary. That's, that's, my that's my the point. title of this episode. That's police are scary. Police be scary, man. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. So so there's an interrogation then of Jesse. Sure. By by Hank and Gomez, and they tell him, you know, look, we found your car at the site. It had all this money in it. Uh, he's then forced to tell them that that's not his money, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. They, what do you do there? Yeah, like, you got God to. God damn it. That's my $67,000, but no, Oh, my God, you mine. found it. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and then they interview Wendy as well, and she doesn't roll on him. He's smart because even if he tried to claim that as his money, that he'd still lose it because yeah. forfeiture. I mean, it's it's open and shut. Yeah. Did you like be, before? I, I I like to nod that. Uh, so this isn't a spoiler because in between season one and two, they released five what they call webisodes. They're like five to ten minute videos that kind of get fans pumped up. And there was one. I encourage everybody to go watch them. I'll link to them in the show notes. We ought to cover them maybe in the season two wrap up if we have time. Okay. Uh, but there's one that's got like Hank and Walt. Walt is his best is his best man on Hank's wedding day, and that and then there's the a video for Twat Hammer. 
<laughs> oh my god! Which was first mentioned on Jesse's uh, MySpace or My Shout page uh-huh. that he bangs the skins with his uh, awesome band Twat Hammer, and I like to see that just a little nod to that as he's the Hank's walking into the interrogation room. Jesse's like, you can see through the window, he's practicing his his rhythms, his beats. Yeah, he's playing yeah. playing air drums, <laughs> death drums, whatever you call it. Sure, I mean he's got, you know, he's got his skills. Hank has his own skills because. He does a pretty good job of trying to bait Jesse into giving some false information here. Like, the takeout stuff is kind of a good route to go, right? Yeah, how, like, he's wh- trying to get Jesse to admit, like, to say, oh, yeah, we had takeout from the place down the street. So he could go then check the records, and when that doesn't show up, say, we caught you. Like you're lying. Cash. But, yeah, he's but, definitely... But the phone call, like, he'd have to make a phone call. Yeah. I mean, yeah, something. Yeah, you gotta... He's trying to bait him. Sure, sure. You gotta make sure you just don't talk to police. Yeah, Jesse's too smart for it. Yep. So I, I like that. So then Walt has his psych evaluation, and he asks about confidentiality, and then he confesses kind of, confesses uh, a lie. Okay. Yeah. He tells he tells the psychologist that he just had to get out of the place because he couldn't stand being there. That's not true. Sure. Uh, he got out of the place so he could not get killed <laughs> by a drug dealer. Uh-huh. Uh, and I found out in this scene, Junior's 15 years old. I wasn't sure how old he was. What? What? Junior. Walt Junior is 15 years old. Seriously? He says that, yeah. I get... Yeah. Right? Like, I wouldn't have guessed that, but... I guess that makes sense. He's a freshman in high school. That's another one of the problems of those shows where only... You know, 18 months, like he says, like in 18 months, I'll be a dead man, mm. which that is a statement that fans, you know, analyze and analyze and analyze as that is a definitive timeline. You know what's going to happen. Oh, yeah. But, you know, so this show takes place in, let's say, 18 to 24 months. It It's told in six year, over six years. Mm. So that does surprise me, but I don't know how much of that is based on me seeing rj mitty grow up and and become a young man i don't know yeah. i don't i i yeah that, it that's surprised me too surprises definitely yeah. so i don't know i just caught that little that little piece i i forgot to look up how far gallup is from uh abq but i don't know probably not super important yeah uh he he mentions getting as far as gallup which is of course a lie did you think that there was even a, a, a possibility that he'd come clean with his counselor. Because even though I'd seen this before, when I uh-huh. when I saw this again, I was like, oh, my God. Is he going to confess? Because the patient, you know, client, or what is that, doctor-client privilege is pretty yeah. ironclad, and he could have. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, this is going to turn into a, like a mini Sopranos where the guy's just going to be like yeah, right, blown away, eyebrows-looking face, and then you just see Walt discharged. Yeah. But he, after he confirms all of that... Mm-hmm. He then just tells like a partial half truth to this guy. Why do you think that? I I just feel like Walt doesn't trust that confidentiality. I mean, he's not I don't think he's willing to tell anybody about this. Pretty smart. I don't know that I trust that with like if yeah. you go into a therapist for the first time like if I was a career criminal, I would test him. I would yeah, tell them, yeah, like, an yeah. outrageous lie for six weeks uh, that implicated me in something that I didn't do. 
Mm-hmm. And then if the police never called or whatever, then I'd be like, okay, I can tell you. I, I, I've been bullshitting you for six to eight weeks. Now I'm going to tell you the real shit. <laughs> and they would probably say, I know. Now tell me. And then it's even, yeah, and then it's like twice as bad. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and you tell them another lie. Right, right, right. <laughs> and just to see how far that goes. I think you, they, they'd fire you as a client after a while, but probably. I don't know. I mean, that's essentially what Tony Soprano did. Yeah. I mean, he just kept lying about his feelings the whole time. And sure. So. Uh, but he was pretty candid about his criminal activities. Yeah, always cloaked in, you know, I, there, there's a, a friend of mine who's doing this thing, and I'm worried about him, and what would you do? And he cloaked it at first. Mm. He he didn't go outright and tell her. I thought he gave that up pretty criminal. quick, though. But I don't, I don't, uh, I've only it's, seen... It's longer than you might think. Okay, because I've only seen... I've probably seen 12 episodes of Sopranos from the first season. I mean, just all over the place. So. Okay. Yeah, I mean... They start with the psychologist stuff, episode one. Sure. So yep. <laughs> it's pretty early. Um, anyway, Hank brings in Tio, and they ask him questions. And, and I love the way that they bring him in. They show him to Jesse through the window. Oh, and Jesse. Kind of that, I gotcha sort of thing. Does not play it cool. No. No, he <laughs> looks worried. Uh, they ask Tio a bunch of questions, but he refuses to rat Jesse out. And then <laughs> in what is one of the funniest scenes in all of Breaking Bad history, he shits his pants. In defiance. A defiant pant shitting. Uh-huh. Defiant flatulence and, and pant shitting. I mean, watching this thing, the closed captioning says, farts and defecates. Sure. Like, both. They had to include both. Uh-huh. And it's so runny. It is so... It leaks out from his chair immediately. Does he piss himself as well? Uh, yeah. Or does he just let it all go? That's how I took it. He, okay. It's, it's probably a little watery of a bowel, but also uh-huh. uh, he combined the... And, and the diaper is not equipped to do both. Although, what kind of shitty-ass adult diapers he's wearing? Do you think he's wearing adult diapers? Maybe he's not. Because so. no. he doesn't seem like he's incontinent. I guess, you know. Yeah, he's... Uh... He's had a stroke. I mean, yeah, maybe he that's had pretty risky. Go helping him out. Like someone wheels him into a corner for like 10 minutes and he has to really go. What's he going to do? Ring his bell, I guess. <laughs> yeah, ding, that's ding, true. Ding, 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 ding. Like urgently. Yeah. Bell ringing intensifies. That's <laughs> <laughs> what the closed captioning would say. I love how they establish his credibility as well first. They're like, what planet are we on? Are we on Mars? Oh, are we on funny. Saturn? Are we on Earth? And then that totally works against him, right? They're like, okay, this guy's clearly all there. Oh, God, he's not telling us what we want to hear. Yeah. Awesome. Gomi's right. He's OG. He ain't gonna tell the DA shit. Spend seven years so, of San Quentin so you, to you come you buy clean. that reason? You you buy Gomez's uh, assertion that that's why? Well, there's a couple. I mean, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, totally. All right. <laughs> Otherwise, what sense does that make, right? Uh, I can think of another, like, you know, you can't get revenge on someone that's in jail, or it's a lot harder. So there's that angle, too, that he could be okay. like, maybe he wants to do something about, uh, uh, about, and we know that he's, you know, Tuco was connected. He's got the cartel connections and all that stuff. So Yeah, plus Hank is the guy who killed Tuco, so maybe he just wants to say, fuck you. Does Tio know that? kill my nephew. Uh, it's debatable, although I, I would think they would have told him that. Huh. Like, if he told not, him that, I don't not. see how in the world Hank can ever think that he's going to cooperate. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's a desperation move by Hank because he didn't want to street Pinkman and he had to. Yes. Because even Gomi is like, this dang going to work. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, Jesse gets released and he calls his dad. He can't get a ride. So then he goes to the Waffle House with Wendy. Yeah, pretty sad. Pretty sad. Sure. 
Dad won't pick him up. Jesse uh, has zero credit with his folks at this point. Yep. So he calls up Walt, and they update each other on their situations. Uh, Walt's in the hospital. He's He quizzes Jesse on what he's done to you know cover his tracks, clean up everything in the basement, all that. Uh, Jesse's kind of annoyed by that, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I did all of this shit. It worked. Stop being so concerned about me. Uh, then Walt asks if he can get the RV running so that they can continue cooking. Jesse is surprised by that. Sure. Were you surprised by that? Do you think that's a good or a bad idea at this point? I... I don't know. But once again, it's another instance where Jesse wanted to get out. He saw the value... As a young man who's got his whole life ahead of him. And that's no money. Interesting that, yeah, but that seems like that's Jesse's life. You know? yeah, 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 When has he ever been well-heeled? Even when he was cooking meth with yeah. Emilio, it seemed like maybe his job was probably more of the distributed, the guy running out, getting the pseudo, and slinging the product at the... at the. Uh, he was the badger of that operation. Sure, sure. That's what you think. Um, so I don't feel like he's ever had a lot of money. Yeah, but when you know, when you're young, you have your whole life ahead of you. You make different decisions than when you're got 18 months to die, painful, uh, you know, death with very little dignity. So sure, uh, I love the the one that that sped up high speed photography shot of the the desert yeah. transitioning to nightfall, which mm-hmm. you know they, they do that a lot for very for various reasons. But I always I'm a sucker for it. Yeah, there are so many cool shots in this episode. Uh, there's there's one from the what must be the top of some kind of mesa or something when they're out in the desert in the beginning, they're just walking down a road, and it's such a cool shot. I mean, you see the desert kind of morphing into grass-covered... Yeah. Like, like not not quite like grass-covered plains, but it's got some greenery to it, and like just the colors of the desert. They do that a lot, where they go like spaghetti western... Yeah, yeah, with yeah. like the side angle of the guys walking through the desert and and the bird's eye shots and yeah, you know that's I you know it's it's interesting watching his first three seasons as a as a podcaster, not just a fan, because I wasn't aware of how many allusions that he was making to Western films. Oh yeah, until yeah. you know you four and five, you start hearing about the the uh, the deliberate shots he's trying to ape like some stuff from peckinpah and Mm -hmm. and you know putting those western themes in there good and evil and and it works as a as a man in a white hat man in a black hat literally a situation in the case of walt sure yeah and uh you know with the southwestern setting it's uh feels natural definitely so walt remembers that he has guns and cash at home and goes (laughs) oh shit and then he breaks into his house to hide him this is a really good scene really tense uh, I I like. Is there anything you want to say about it? Because I want to talk kind of about thematically what this scene is. First of all, Walt Junior is always down for breakfast. He is always <laughs> down for breakfast. I can't tell if it's two a.m. or five a.m. It's here. past like, dinner time. It's past bedtime. Or is it before breakfast? Like, he comes out and did they sh- wake up early? Uh, or late? I don't know. I'm. It doesn't I'm, matter though to Walt junior if it's two o'clock in the morning if it's four o'clock in the morning if it's 10 o'clock at night uh-huh. you offer him breakfast he's going to take breakfast uh-huh. uh, for for those keeping score at home uh it's now uh three to one okay walt v or breakfast v versus walt jr uh-huh. he has been offered breakfast four times he's only declined once yep so there you go um <laughs> 
And I don't know. It's, it's a it's a good scene of seeing this family just trying. Like what the family would do if Walt wasn't a drug dealer. They're there for each other. They're supporting each uh, other. I read it differently. I, I read like Walt watching his family operate through the door felt to me like this is what his family is going to be like after he's gone. But I don't know why that didn't give him pause the other way that like they could they they'll be fine. I I don't This is what normal families know. do. I when, mean you tie this in with the the painting with hmm. him rowing out away from his family on the boat and I feel like he is contemplating what it's going to be like for his family once once he's gone and he doesn't like it. Okay. I or, mean I or think maybe that's... he's just missing like going to say I'm going to miss them or something but that's how I read it anyway. No, I, I just thought that, you know, one of the takeaways I got from it is that they'll, you know, they're, um, you know, Junior hears his mom out there and he goes out and checks on her. I mean, they're they're a loving family and they'll be fine. And hmm. he, I think, takes the wrong takeaway, which is I need to go out and <laughs> sell a poisonous drug and expose ourselves sure. to all this danger. I mean, that's the... It's kind of incredible that he narrowly dodges this bullet with Tuco that involved his family that they quickly saw through the Heisenberg deal. They stalked him at his home, abducted him right in front of his house, uh-huh. and he's very quick to be like, we need to cook again. What's changed? Well, that's for one, asshole. <laughs> that for one, that you had a, yeah. a insane person stalking you and your family. Yeah. And you narrowly avoided I mean, death. Sure. That's scary. And you hell. almost got your brother-in-law killed. Uh-huh. Uh, Other than that, Walt, Walt, everything's status quo. <laughs> Walt feels like that's over with, right? Mm. With the death of Tuco, it's like, all right, blank slate. The only thing that hasn't changed here is that my family still needs money. What's well, like Qui-Gon said, there's always a bigger fish, though, right? I mean... Oh, yeah. Why? Life lessons from Qui-Gon Jinn. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you go from... Life lessons from the core of Naboo. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's something that Walt should be wondering about, though, because... You know, Jesse had a relationship with Crazy Eight. He said, "There's this guy Tuco, but now Tuco's gone. Walt just thinks it's going to be Easy Street. Do you think that's how he thinks, or do you think he's not even thinking on that level? He's got to be wondering where his next distributor is going to come from, right? I mean, he's now gone through two distributors, both of which have tried to kill him. You're right. He should be a little more worried about." potential future complications in this and jesse's game. not the guy i mean jesse can't move a pound of product a week <laughs> oh no, no yeah there's there's not enough laundromats and hot dog joints in the place yeah he said as much uh i can't remember if it was early earlier this season or late last season but he says look can, what do you want me to do with four pounds of meth a week you know he's selling teens that's not gonna work mm-hmm mm-hmm so I, I don't know. You, you're probably right. He needs to be a little more concerned about this. But I think what he's most concerned about is providing money for his family when he's gone. Uh, he, so he gets out of the house, um, sneaks back out. He takes the bus back to the hospital. And uh, th- when he gets back to the hospital, this is one of those uh, depth of field things I was talking about um, with the, the out-of-focus characters. And I really like that. I thought it was cool. The the song here is is fairly applicable i think it's um it's a towns van zant song called waiting around to die performed by be good tanya's mm-hmm. never heard of them before but uh the lyrics are along the lines of a guy who has made a lot of mistakes and had a lot of bad things happen to him in life 
Um, and we kind of get that speech from Walt. You know, I've seen every everybody in my life surpass me in every way when he's talking to psychologists. Um, but he he feels like it's in this song. They're talking about it being better to just wait or like the only other thing to do would be to wait around to die. And that's not going to help anybody. Like he's talking about doing drugs. He's talking about robbing stores. He's talking about all that kind of stuff. Sure. The only other option would be to wait around to die. Yeah. And that's not, that's not a good option. So I feel like that's what Walt is thinking in this moment. Like I need to get back in the drug game. Cause the only other option is I wait around to die. What's in that shot of Walt looking at his own missing poster? And it like snaps. He's got to feel guilty, right? Well, plus it's like I think there is. That's a pretty clear. We talked about this last episode that you know Walter White is missing. Yeah, he's he's not coming back. When he comes back home, Uh albeit it's without pants on, but it's with the Heisenberg hat. You're right. You're right. Walter White is gone. Feels like it. You know, now it's going to be like, do we ever see Walter White resurface for brief periods of time? Yeah. But I, I thought that with the musical choice and the way they chose to shoot that was really great. Mm-hmm. And then at the hospital, the painting is waiting for him again. Yes. And it's another thing where, like, is the bus a literal rowboat? He was with his family and his, his, his wife and child, and he broke into his own house uh-huh. and, you know, hid this evidence of his crimes and then made and then and then made off and and. And called Jesse and and said reaffirmed he's going to go on this path. I don't know, it's just it's kind of tragic. Oh kinda yeah, tragic, no doubt. Then Hank goes to uh, Gomez, or actually no, Gomez goes into Hank's office and he's watching that. Uh, what do they call it? Southwest Aniline, Aniline, where they stole the meth. Yeah, meth- the place they the place that Jesse and Wall broke into to steal the methylamine. The Great Thermite Heist. Yeah, he's watching that over and over again, and he's like. He's he's rethinking it, right? He's trying to piece this puzzle together. Um, and then Gomez invites him out for some beers, but it turns out, oh, it's a surprise party where they give him a cake and uh, Tuco's grill as a gift. Sure. Pretty messed up to take the guy's grill and encase it in uh, whatever that's called. Acrylic. Acrylic. Yeah. Did you get a, did you get a whiff of Agent Gomez being dirty? Before it was he's revealed. got he's got that smile like that's the thing that always gets me it's that yeah that like half half mouth smile almost like a smirk on his face that so what what do you think he's trying to take him away from from his very important work it just, here it seemed like there's a pattern in these early episodes where Hank is trying to put a connection to something and Gomi's just there to like naysay. Lead him off the path. Like, yeah, it's not going to work. Or I think you're, I think you're reaching there, brother, or whatever. And it just seems like there's a steady yeah. pattern of him kind of subverting uh, Hank. And I don't know to what end, but I thought it was. A, and then it turns out that it was a birthday. And it's like, yes, oh, maybe I'm time, just making that. This time you're right. Yeah, like he is actually trying to get him away from his work. So yeah. you can go out to the birthday party. So, but that's for the birthday party. So the other times you start thinking like, <laughs> you know, this isn't the first time it's happening, and it's uh-huh. not the last. What the hell's going on? Hmm. If it's not the last, I should say. Gomez could, <laughs> Gomez could be dirty. Dirty Gomez. <laughs> that's like different from the dirty Sanchez. Oh, Let's very different. different. Very different. <laughs> uh, Walt gets out of the hospital, and Junior and Hank are both there to uh, say 
hello to him. Uh, Junior asks about the shootout, and Hank kind of just brushes it off, but then he shows the guys the present that he got, which is Tuco's grill. Uh, Junior has no idea what a grill is. How is that possible? It's 2000. This takes place in 2009. When did grills become a thing, man? I don't know. Not after I was in high school. I mean, that was like the first trend I can remember. It might have been when I was in high school because that was the first trend I can clearly remember. I don't get this. I don't get this. Diamonds on your teeth. What gold on your teeth? Yes. What the fuck? I, I would think it would just get in the way of eating. Especially when you got gold on your teeth that you can't take off. Yeah, you can can polish it though. Yeah, just buff it. I mean, get a Dremel in there with a buffing attachment. I want to say like maybe Fifty Cent or Nelly was like the first person I knew that had a grill. Fifty Cent, first time I ever heard. I don't know. I don't know. Like I can't remember. Yeah, I remember around that time when they were both popular. I was thinking. It was, oh, oh, what's this grill thing? If, I felt like if, yeah, I mean, first of all, who gives a shit? But second of all, <laughs> it was like, in my mind, it was like chains, uh huh, spinners. Wait, wallet chains? No, 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 like gold, oh. big gold chains around your neck. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to uh-huh. plot the trend. Like you had chains, okay. then spinners, uh, then, then grills. Then grills. Uh-huh. And I think it's kind of like, it, it seems like things are rolling back to where the trend now is like tasteful understatement or business suits or... That's the the cool thing now. Okay, I don't know much about the hip hop world, man. I don't know much. About <laughs> oh, really? It at all. Not a major player, are you? No, I'm not. Ah, I'm shocked, not. shocked. Thinking but, about but getting into. To it. your point, if Junior's a 15 year old in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I told yeah, him by the maybe. fact that he might be ignorant of grill. Although you guys go to high school, you're telling me none of the high school kids had a grill. Yeah, it seems like seems like you'd know. Even about if it was like a fake bullshit grill that you got out of like a vending machine, nobody had a grill. I mean, it's not even just like I don't know anybody with the grill. He's not familiar with the concept of a grill. Mm, right. That's a little suspect. I think on the side, Junior has a grill. Junior's <laughs> rocking a grill, and he's just like, "Oh, what's this grill thing?" And he yeah, just learned his throw, lying skills from his dad. He's trying to throw everybody off the uh, off the scent. Shit, they're on to me. <laughs> What do you think of the several instances where Hank held up the grill and the outline of the grill went perfectly over Walt's mouth? Ha! Did it? I didn't even yeah, notice yeah, yeah. that. They deliberately framed that. That's you think that's just them having fun? Um You know, it's been much has been made of, of Walt's trophy collecting and taking mm-hmm. on the attributes of like, you know, he cuts uh, the the this thing with uh, Emilio and, and or not the, or crazy. The Cutting the crust off the bread and and whatnot. It could be that there's not a lot that he could take on from Tuco. uh, And still be be Walt. And still be an interesting character and still be the Heisenberg. But Uh I thought that was a nice little nod that he has actually, you know, become. And he also seemed great if the next episode after he killed Tuco, he just got these flamboyant, ridiculous shirts on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's <laughs> running around yelling tight, tight, tight. Beats Badger to, beats badger to death. <laughs> That's messed up. Uh, do you think that why, why was Walt so upset during all this stuff? And, and you know, Hank doing his, uh, you know, routine with the, the grill and yeah, he and breaks character off. here, doesn't he? Yeah, he acts very visibly upset. I got a theory about why, but I want to see if you had one first. Well, I, I think he's like. Is Hank showing this to me because he knows something? Nah, I don't buy that. You don't buy that? I don't buy that at all. Hmm. What's your theory? That's kind of what I thought. He's pissed that uh, that Hank's stealing his thunder. 
in front of his son? I mean, or in front of everyone. Walt shot Tuco in the gut. Mm-hmm. Do you think Tuco lives? Like if, if Hank, I mean, in, in Walt's mind, do you think that Hank is basically Steve? Walt did all the hard parts. He, with his own wits and guile, outwitted this guy, shot him in the gut, left him for dead. Mm-hmm. Hank shows up and he takes out the weakened, you know, like, like, like Walt's the vaccine that allowed Hank, the immune system to roll on in and, and save the day and get all the credit. Maybe subconsciously that's going, what's going on in Walt's head. Yeah. I don't feel like even Walt would be able to acknowledge that. Hmm. Um, as, I, as I also wonder, you know, and this could work both ways because Vince Gillen's a huge pop culture nerd. Uh, one of the things I learned in doing the last season of Boardwalk Empire is I found out Elliot Ness, you know, you think Elliot yeah. Ness, badass lawman, right? Uh-huh. I guess in the in truth, Elliot Ness was more of a PR campaign uh-huh. and a showman than he was doing anything as far as untouchable. He, he had this legend and that was all great. And, it, you know, this it's stuff that, that the uh, uh, government needed to win the war against him. So but, that's an apt reference here. It's. But Hank I don't is, know. Is the Elliot Ness of the I don't know if Villigan knew that because sure. Villigan might be. You know, if he's pulling pop culture references, it's going to be you know the, the Untouchables. Re, the, yeah, the uh-huh. it's, it's Kevin Costner. It's the unsolved mystery guy. Whatever. It's that's that's the the Elliot Ness, the true blue American lawman. Yeah. So I don't know that you can credit that as a sneaky sly of like, well, maybe Hank is a little bit more smoke and mirrors. Huh. Okay. Sure. I don't know that you can do any of that stuff. Me either. Uh, Walt then arrives home, and things are kind of awkward. But you know, he he comes out and breaks the tension by putting on the Heisenberg hat, stripping down, and offering to go out to the store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was great. Uh, in bed, Skyler asks about the second cell phone, and Walt denies it. But Skyler doesn't believe him. Seems seems like a reasonable thing. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, <sighs> this is the moment when. She starts, she turns on Walt, right? Like she has been thinking while he's in the hospital. All that time he spent as an inpatient, she's been left by herself to think about the situation. I'll say that's the thing that doesn't line up for her. I'm very curious about watching the trajectory for the rest of the season Mm -hmm. because I, I don't know if this was the turning point. Oh, I'm not saying it's a turning point necessarily in the whole series. I'm just saying. This is the moment in this episode where she does not believe him anymore. Certainly, in this in this particular uh, episode, um, you know, I, I'm not, I'm always trying to think is like is is that a reasonable assumption to make? Because the is second it cell possible phone? that a cell phone can ring and it not be a record of the phone company? It feels like that maybe my cell phone can have an alarm go off, but I wouldn't answer the alarm. No, no, no. <laughs> what, what what I'm saying is, I wonder if it's possible that you can have a you know, it's kind of like the serial podcast, like, you know, that that sometimes the cell phone records aren't all they cracked up to be, right? So I just wonder if if that's supposed to be a... It, is it reasonable for... I don't think so. Is it reasonable for Skyler to think that that's a smoking gun? Yes. Okay, I think so too. In, in my mind, it certainly Especially is. with all the other stuff that just doesn't add up. Yeah. But on the other hand, I mean, it's a, like... A lot of this stuff does add up. Walt's done a remarkable job of covering his I feel his like that she should have... She could have played a little bit more subtle because <laughs> she could have. Yeah. Like it's a big leap to say my husband's doing something shady, and my husband's doing something shady, and is covering it up by appearing naked in a Whole Foods or whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily the conclusion she's jumping to. 
I feel like that's just been something that she has built up in her head to be this big problem. Mm. And and it's it might not even be in the way I'm viewing her her attitude on it is that might not even be related to the fugue state. The fugue state might have actually happened, but he's lying to her now and she knows that she about knows the cell it. phone. She feels like she knows it, yeah. And, you, and I think she's pretty justified in feeling that way. Well, and and, and in fact, she's justified. We know yeah. that he does have a second cell phone. Absolutely, yeah. I thought it was pretty sly, the Heisenberg on the lampshade. Oh, the hat. No. That, that's now that like <laughs> that 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 the Heisenberg is is um, and and his side of the bed was noticeably darker because of the hat uh-huh. camping out on it. I think it's interesting that there that's kind of like Heisenberg overshadowing everything going on in the house now. Huh. Interesting. I like it. And that's the end of the episode, man. Can we play that's the it. name game? I have no idea. Bit by a dead bee. No idea. So when I and I was really thinking a lot about this because when I saw the title, I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck does that mean? It, and when I was watching it, I said I thought it's got to have something to do with the cell phone. Uh-huh. You know, bit by Coming a dead bee to, to me him. is like, you know, this this thing that you thought is dead and buried and over with, and it comes back and bites you in the ass when you least expect it. Uh Aria over at Seriable had this it said that this line comes from a movie to have and to have not Ooh. which i have no idea anything okay. about this movie other than what he's telling me about it yep same here. And it says probably referring to the effects of tuco's death that is that's been brought on walt jesse and hank's lives this particular line in the dialogue from the film uh sounds interesting you got to be careful of dead bees if you go around barefoot because if you step on them they can sting you just as bad as if it were if they were alive especially if they were kind of mad when they got killed is Tuco the dead bee mm-hmm. and something to ponder is what is the effects in this episode of that and of the uh, of this of episodes going forward yeah it could definitely be that phone call um that might be the bite the sting bees don't bite but you know that's the thing that bites them in the ass eventually sure. but people will say that all the time you know you got bit when you really mean stung sure no nah. And a fucking Tolkien, she he flips the script and has a spider sting someone when they really should be bit. I don't know. <laughs> okay, it's a literary device, man. Weird. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know of any other. Like, bit by a dead bee seems like such a weird title for this episode. Sure, it's badger, dead bee, <laughs> bee for badger. Is badger gonna die? Badger bit? No, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> okay. I just racked my brain. The main character starts with B, and the first thing uh-huh. that popped up is uh, Badger. There's a grill b- biting. How does that fit into it? <laughs> Ooh, chompers. There's a pair of chompers. <laughs> if Tuco is the dead B. Well, this episode is dead. <laughs> this episode has been long dead, and we're stretching it out. What do we have for Pimpin' this week? Uh, just want to, you know, uh, it's end of the year. Uh, it's super convenient to do your Christmas shopping on Amazon. It's a great way to support us. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, if you follow us on The Watching Dead, uh, we, you know, had this uh, campaign where uh, Jeff Bezos, founder of uh, Amazon, naked aggression towards us, said he's tired of us stealing his pennies on this transaction. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he likes he likes the goodwill he gets from the affiliate program and supporting good causes like Vault, but he, he hates giving up them pennies. Yeah. Uh, we're hoping to reca- have a recap to, because I have no idea how to tell a, con- a, con- a consistent narrative amongst <laughs> a bunch of unrelated podcasts. I know for a fact that not yeah. everybody listens to Breaking Bad, listens to Washington Dead. We'll come up with like a previously on. Yeah. But 
know that you're doing two things when you use our Amazon.BallMove.com link. You're getting the great Amazon selection and shipping and pricing policies. Uh, you're supporting Bald Move, and you are potentially thwarting a madman from a global copper cons- conspiracy syndicate. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to use Amazon.BaldMove.com instead of just Amazon. Just put the, put the Bald Move in between the dot and the com, and, and you'll be all right. You can also support us on Patreon. Why would you do that? There's a couple of good reasons. You can watch our podcast be recorded live, and mm-hmm. you can watch a video archive later, so you can see Jonathan Banks' uh, half measure here. I'll throw that back up on the, the wide angle. Uh, you can also see Lunch with Jim and Aaron, where we weekly, semi-weekly get together, we turn on the cameras, and we just goof off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can... Uh, get access to our show notes and a couple other exclusive behind the scenes ad free feeds. You never have to listen to me pitch this shit again. Yeah. Three bucks a month. Never have to listen to that crap again. You get a private feed. It's got all of our shows, no ads. And uh, there's also subable.com. We had a barn burner of a commission podcast. Someone paid us <laughs> to watch and talk about star Wars for yeah. an hour and a half. If you got a favorite movie or a favorite television show, you'd watch us like to watch a couple episodes of, and give our opinion on, that we wouldn't normally otherwise do, get to subbable.com slash bald move, find out how all that stuff works. Probably forgetting a couple other thing, ways you can support us, but the survey.baldmove.com, if nothing else. Sure. Appreciate that. Why don't we do some feedback? I can't think of a good reason, a compelling reason why we wouldn't. Okay. Well, let's uh, do it. Elizabeth G starts us out and she remarks that Jesse's been so abused so early on. If his parents had only given him one more chance, he might have ended up on the straight and narrow. Do you think if his dad had showed him the milk of human kindness and gone and picked his ass up at the police station hmm. that it could have been the nudge that he needed to not go back to cook? Wow. Uh, maybe, maybe. I feel like Jesse's life is somehow gravitating around. It's, it's just orbiting Walt at this point. Hmm. Like, if Jesse tried to get out of the grasp of Walt, I don't know that Walt would allow that because he kind of needs Jesse's drugs, drug game skills. You know, I mean, he's still not—he's not, he's not he to the point. He thinks he does anyway. Sure. Yeah, he's not to the point where he's gonna do all of this work yet. Yeah, he says, and plus he's got those coughing fits. I so mean, I think needs... he'd try to bring him back in, even if Jesse tried to get out of there. Sure. Sure. Uh, she says, we also saw Tuco's T.O. for the first time last episode, but I forgot how soon he appeared on the show. We talked about that, too. Yeah. Uh, Raymond Cruz, who plays Tuco, left Breaking Bad to play the cop on The Closer. Hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting that I also read an article where Raymond Cruz, it wasn't an article, it was an interview, where he said he specifically asked to be written out of the show because playing Tuco was incredibly difficult and, and a challenge for him. But also, it really? sounds like he got a full-time gig at another network show. So. Huh, okay. Um, Walt and Jesse never thought about the kinds of people they would encounter in the meth-making business. Elizabeth continues, if they had thought it through, they might not have gone into business. But on thinking about it, that's not true. After all, Walt and Jesse went through in the desert and in the car trunk. Walt is ready to cook again. He's not phased by the horrific circumstances they survived. He got out of it, and he's ready to live another day in the drug trade. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to comment on that? Nope. Andrew P. has some great news for us. She says, you're not dumb idiots after all. 
I wait, would like wait, to see wait. the exculpatory evidence of us not being idiots. Yeah. I've yet to see it. She said, I was listening to uh, Breaking Bad Insider cast for Bit by a Dead Bee, mm-hmm. and Kelly Dixon called Hector Uncle Tio. Oh. Maybe that's where he picked up the name. Vince pointed out why that was wrong, but in the end, they just all went along with calling him that. Which oh. is pretty much what we do. We fuck up, and yeah. then we decide the fuck up is funnier, and we go with that. Mm-hmm. Doodlebug, eyebrows. That might Tuvok, be how Villigan came about. Meat-eating man, Villigan, sure. Mm-hmm. I think Villigan was probably me just getting yeah. mush-mouthed. Uh-huh. And, and they were like, you know sticks. what? We like that a lot. The Villigan's good. I hope I get to meet Vince uh-huh. and explain to him and see what he thinks about it. <laughs> so I've never seen him be called that anywhere else but here. No. I think that's no. a bald move original. Uh-huh. Joe E. said... This show went with a bold direction with Walt's solution to he and Jesse's predicament. It works to keep them from getting caught, but it costs something in the process in both Walt's dignity and simply the fact that Walt and Skylar's relationship will never be the same from here on out. Watching Skylar deal with her mistrust and confusion over their situation is great television for the rest of the season, and it's because when the Breaking Bad writers make a choice, they make sure that choice means something, and Walt's naked taunt jaunt takes its toll on the characters uh this is something i teased in the main cast but he says on the flip side shouldn't hank have some sort of clue he follows jesse p on a whim knowing he's a drug dealer due to his association with walt he ends up finding tuco who knows who he knows is working with a book smart not street smart crew he knows that Walt has a bunch of meth gear missing from his chemistry lab. While Walt's disappearance has consequences, all these coincidences have no long-term effect on Hank. As Commissioner Gordon tells Joseph Gordon Lovett in Batman, you're a detective now, you're not allowed to believe in coincidences. Is Hank just have an enormous Heisenberg-sized blind spot? I feel like that's what it is. Uh, <clears throat> he knows Walt. He's also got this motive, like a pretty clear motive at this point. And he took him on the... I'll pile on more. He went on the drug ride-along, mm-hmm. expressed interest in how much money could be made, talked about the yeah. different... You know, wanted to see the... Like, it does seem... Hank, Hank just has a massive blind spot for Walt because he knows the pre-cancer Walt. Yes. And that guy is not going to do anything like this. Yes. And so for him to to flip on a dime... When he finds out he has cancer and just immediately get into the drug game, I feel like that just goes right past Hank. Sure. And, and I, I'm I'm not prepared to say that I don't buy that. Hmm. Like I, I think Walt's character was such at the beginning of this that I would never see that guy being a meth kingpin, you know? Sure. Uh, let's see. Tom G says, over the years, there's developed a famous, even notorious Skylar hate among fans that have always seemed funny to me. So we're, we're going back to the Skyler well. We've yep. avoided it for several episodes. It's time to revisit. Okay. Some of the seeds for that hate were show, sown in this, uh, this series of episodes. Walt goes missing for long periods of time. She knows there's something wrong. Walt lies and manipulates. The Hank and ABQ cop guy thinks there's a second cell phone. She believes Hank. Walt lies and manipulates. Walt has this mysterious wandering illness. She knows there's something wrong. Walt lies and manipulates. I think the Villigan is masterful in steering the audience. How dare Skylar have the gall to not accept Walt at fa- face value? The things that happen on our cell phones are private. I'm not hurting anyone with what I'm doing in my spare time. How dare Skylar not take Walt at his word? Maybe that was an alarm for one of his many medicines. Maybe he did fall into a fugue state. How dare my wife ask who went out on a weekly bar, uh, uh, beer night? It was just me, Jeff, Andre, Matt, and Brian. Damn, give me a break. He says, I digress. Sorry. 
Despite Walt being capital E evil, somehow the audience thinks Skyler is the bad guy. Is the Skyler hate an unexpected result of plot, or was the Villigan messing with us? Calculated and orchestrated by Vince Gilligan or segments of the audience uh, that were seriously misguided. Our thoughts. What was the question in there? <laughs> is it the result of an... Is, is the Skylar hate a... Uh, kind of like a chaos theory thing where a, f- a butterfly flaps its wings in Beijing and you get a hurricane in New York City. Hmm. It's like small plot points. I guess you'd have a is hurricane. Is he saying why is the audience giving Skylar shit? Because clearly there's a lot of it. Is this something that's that Vince? Place here. So, so I've always maintained that Vince Gilligan wanted to set us up where we kind of hated Skyler and thought that his season one makes that clear, and and thought that Hank was a a a peckerwood, uh-huh. and Marie is a bitch, and we kind of like Walt Junior, you know, because who doesn't like Walt Junior? Uh-huh. But Walt is the hero, okay? Yeah. And he did such a good job of setting that hook that after he made it abundantly clear that no longer is this something that we should view, that we still viewed that. Like it was, yeah, the audience had emotional inertia because yep, as I'm looking, right. a lot of this stuff is stuff that happened in the first few episodes. And, and even then you can excuse it because, you know. You treat people how to you teach people how to treat you. Mm-hmm. It takes more than one person to have a bad dysfunctional relationship. You wonder what kind of life pattern that Walt and Skyler had been in, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it does seem to me that on the second watch, Skyler comes off looking a lot better. She does. Yeah. I mean shit is super suspicious, right? It's almost like the audience has to get in this weird contortionist inside Walt's head and share his headspace where he is outraged that she doesn't give him slack. Like, how dare you suspect yeah. that something bad is going on when I've given you tons of evidence to suspect that something bad's getting... Why can't you just subscribe this to cancer, you bitch? Sure. And, and medication. Yeah. Messing with my head and fuse yeah, state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the, the other thing that's at play here is that w- at least... I mean, maybe you can argue now that it's starting to get to the point where Walt is not doing this necessarily for his family, but... His his point and his whole purpose in doing this has always been for his family. So he really does have kind of a good cause in this whole thing, and that's why you give him more slack than maybe Skyler does. Yeah, um, I, yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely you're right. I think it's that inertia of Walt is the good guy, the innocent here. Uh, let's be on his team, and everyone else who's working against him is mean. I also frankly think that Vince himself was surprised at that reaction probably yeah like i think especially towards the end of breaking bad he was surprised at how many people and we were too you know towards the the closing seasons of the podcast like you know we occasionally check people's temperature and there's a lot of people that ride or die for walter white yeah and heisenberg sure uh famously uh uh luis mancata (laughs) <laughs> uh, was the one guy on our celebrity panel who was like, yes, Walter, what fuck? Yes. What are you kidding? You take care of your family. That's what you got to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Which by the way, he, he was on the season finale of the, uh, key and peel show. Oh, cool. Saw last yeah, night. I'd really, really funny. Cool. Really funny. Um, that's all we got. Thanks for everybody that said feedback. We actually have okay. a lot more feedback in the spoiler section. All right. But you gotta be, you gotta, you can't be, you can't be the rookie. Can't be a Breaking Bad rookie. 
No, no, you don't want this stuff spoiled. Uh, but if you'd like to send us some uh, more feedback, spoiler or no, do so at breakinggood at baldmove.com. Uh, we got a forum section where you can create a thread if you want to ask questions and not be spoiled, or you want to talk about stuff that's spoilery and not worry about, uh, you know, having to uh, walk on eggshells. You can go to forums.baldmove.com. You can also go on facebook.com slash baldmove and talk about this in our uh, podcast thread. Please, no spoilers. Yeah, because uh, there's no way to kind of spoiler stuff on on Facebook. Uh, check out uh, uh, Aria's stuff on Breaking Bad Observations on Seriable. I always link that on the the uh, news post. And check out the Bowman's uh, companion piece that he's doing for us over at the Heisenberg Chronicles. Also linked. Also, I'll link the webisodes. We've got lots of extra content in the uh, lots of links. Go to the site, get the show notes. There you go, ballmove.com. Sure. All right, thanks everybody for listening. We will be back next Thursday with another episode. If you're not sticking with us to the spoiler section, uh, and if you are, we'll see you in a few minutes. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya. Do you love Rick Grimes or Daryl Dixon? Can't get enough of the Hound and Aria Roadshow? Like Frank Underwood, can you solve all of life's problems with deceit and murder? Show your fan pride. Get exclusive designs on high-quality t-shirts and hoodies to celebrate your favorite shows and characters at merch.baldmove.com. And we're back with the spoiler section. What is there on our plate this week? Of course, the rowing motif shows up again in the season 5A finale. Yeah. Gliding or all. Uh-huh. Um, in this context, Walt was meeting un- Uncle Jesse and Team Panzer Gray. Mm-hmm. He's in the hotel room planning to hit on Mike's dudes. And he looks at that and he ponders, like, is this some kind of coincidence is there a warehouse that just ships out all this nondescript art to places uh-huh and it, there he is but it's a book in ikea interesting book in because this is the episode he gives it all up gives it all up he's gonna go legitimate he's 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 you he's know, not going legitimate this episode no gliding over all oh, okay. keep up now <laughs> all right. skylar takes him to this storage shed and says look at all this fucking money it's more than any of yeah, us yeah. can spend i'm spraying it down every week for silverfish come on so this so he rows back to his family and then ironically that's when that's when hank makes the the discovery the yeah. shit the shit heard around the world the shat heard around the world. So I thought Absolutely. that was that was interesting, and we have to take... It mm-hmm. takes four, three and a half seasons for that to pay off. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to talk about the Hank is indestructible, that... By the end of this, he is... He destructs. Yeah. Quite a bit. It takes... You know, he's got to go down... He gets shot, he... De yeah. and there's got to be a man's head on a tortoise, and it takes a little bit more doing, but he does... He's very much destructible. Yeah, I feel like that, more than anything, that tortoise event is what deconstructs him mentally sure but uh, i thought emotionally when he gets shot it's more like a physical degradation it's not well it's i mean post, he does go through a mental thing but it's right after yeah he it's had all this thing blow up you got him. post-traumatic stress and now you've got physical problems on top of that i, yeah. I thought that yeah. these last two episodes do a really good job of humanizing hank and taking him in a direction that we need him to go because yeah, yeah. you know again he was a dick Mm-hmm. In the first season, not sympathetic at all. No. Now we're starting to see cracks, like the shootout Tuco. He was not, he was not the cowboy that he kind of claimed to be. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, in in this after action report, you can kind of see he's mm-hmm. not like blubbering or having a panic attack, but he's a little shaken. I thought. 
I thought so too. I thought that Dean Norris yeah. played that shade really, really, really well. Yeah, I wonder how much of that is just us in retrospect saying, "Oh, I know where his story goes, so this must be the beginning of it." Yeah. I don't, I, regardless, it's well done. Right. Uh, we already talked about the Tuco's girl thing. Um, one thing I got off the Serial site was Walt Jr. forcing his old man to drink juice was shot in such a way to call back later when when Walter around the pool is forcing his son to drink alcohol. Uh-huh. I, I I just don't need to see the connection. Like well, it's, it's undeniable. You look at the screenshots. It's 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 shot and staged in similar ways. And there is the connection that Arya makes to it both being instances where Walter's perturbed that Hank is showing off and getting credit for things. And, yeah, yeah, and getting cool points in front of his son. Sure, he's and always he feels threatened. By that. But I just, yeah, I don't, I don't see. It's like you know, you made me drink apple juice, or you drink scotch, son, or whatever the hell he's drinking tequila. Yeah, probably tequila. Was it breakfast time? Is that is breakfast? Is he tequila? insisting? There's a tasteful no, breakfast. No, 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 the, the apple juice. Is he insisting that his dad drink the apple no, juice because it's the, breakfast? Like no. everyone needs a good breakfast, dad. <laughs> I need several. I think it's more like the doctor said you had to be hydrated. Here's okay. hydration. Drink your goddamn juice. Sure. Um, anyway, uh, Tyler D from the UK is our first, uh, spoilery feedback says most interesting scenes for me were between Hank and Jesse seeing how they first interact and treat each other made me question where they end up in season five B. But as soon as I heard Walt ask Jesse, what's changed on the phone, reminded me just how much he's going to terrorize poor Jesse over the next three seasons <laughs> and drive him to work with the DEA out of pure hatred. He develops for Mr. White that he never truly has for agent Schrader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like even though he gets his ass beaten multiple times. Yeah, but it's not like Jesse ever likes Hank. It's just that he hates Mr. White so much. Yeah, he for is, good reason. He is the devil. Like it's just it's Hank's job to come after you. Like Jesse well, knows that shit. He made it happen. personal. They it, both made it personal. They did, but that was did. Walt's fault that it got so personal. But look, but look how personal it gets with Jesse and Walt, right? I mean. Shh. That's where it really gets personal. Yeah. I, I totally get Jesse's reaction and his hatred for Walt and not Hank. Yeah. Uh, so a lot, uh, two takes that uh, kind of take me to task for my I unveiled, unveiled. I'm glad I did because I need to let some of this poison out over the course of several episodes where I hit them out all at once. But I unveiled okay. my discontent with the abq or the 737 down over abq plot line yeah uh justin from singapore said i disagree with your uh dislike of the ending to season two i think it had a specific message message that they wanted to convey the whole point was to display how the drug trade has unintended consequences that impact many other people outside of the users and dealers as someone who grew up around drugs, I've witnessed the consequences drugs have on people who have never touched them. I also think that given they were not sure the series was going to get renewed, this was meant to be potentially the final message of the series. Drugs can destroy thousands of lives in many different ways. Hmm. I mean, I can't argue with that. I just, I don't know. I just don't buy it. Because if, this if, isn't a story about drugs' effects on civilization. Maybe it is, and I just never got it. I thought it was a specific telling of this particular event. Yeah. Um, and also... The, the second email... I've read an email that, that yeah, makes Nikki this P, pretty explicit. Next. Yeah, That's next. Um, exactly why this relates to Walt. I also... I, I, I forgot... I'm not even sure if this is true. Were they really that... Were they really afraid that they weren't going to get to make another season? 
I don't know. I I'm I never followed this as a podcaster, so I wasn't you know paying attention the way I do now of contract yeah. disputes and negotiations and all that. stuff. I never gave a shit until season four. Yeah. Um. So I couldn't tell you. Okay. Uh. Anyway, Nikki P. Uh. The main event as it comes uh, to the plane crash emails says just want to share you some thoughts on the plane crash. Full disclosure: the crash storyline didn't bother me outside of Walt's meeting Jane's dad at the bar. But that was when uh, that was then redeemed when his advice indirectly led to his own daughter's death. The writing and acting of Walt's visit to Jesse's house after Jane's dad says to never give up on them, it was just all too good. Retrospectively, I see the plane crash as serving two purposes. And I, yeah, I don't mind Jane's dad and the whole thing at the bar and how it led to her death. It's the it's a coincidence. If he was an air traffic controller, if he was a if he bottled beer, or he was a he janitor, was in waste management. he was let's in waste. Do, yeah. Let's do Sopranos here. Sanitation engineer. <laughs> uh, she says it serves two purposes. One, the devastation of Walt's pr- product made manifest. Imagine that you're trying to quantify how many lives are being destroyed by the use of Walt's product. Yeah. It's easy to imagine the number being enough to fill two 737 airplanes. I think that the Villigan was wrestling with showing how Walt was having a tremendously negative impact on the world. The plane crash is a mi- macrocosm. Peekaboo is the microcosm. If the Villigan hadn't yeah. gotten us out of his system with season two, the show, uh, the need to show Walt's impact on others might have continued through the other seasons, maybe resulting in them not being as tight as they were. You know, I really like that explanation. Um, I feel like something that has plagued The Walking Dead is that they continue to visit themes over and over again. And his instead idea, of just giving them out of the instead system. of just instead of just doing it once, saying this is our statement on this and moving on. Like Breaking Bad did, uh, I, I feel like he might be right about that. Like this is Villigan trying to say he is impacting more than just his family here. Uh, he's impacting everyone, everyone in the world. Basically, but it's such a tenuous connection because it's not the drugs that led to the. I feel like it wasn't done exceptionally well. That's the problem. Is the connection was never really solid. And that's made. you know I always said on The Walking Dead, it's not so much uh-huh. what they're trying to do is the problem. It's just the solution to everything is to do it better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and the, the fact normally that, I don't say that about this show. Right, this might be the only and, and I and, yeah. and you know if it, I don't know the plane crash might have been bull, bullshit either way, but it definitely added a little insult to injury when that was the season long mystery of the fucking pink bear. Which by the way, yeah, but I mean the which, pink by bear the way, pays off. The <laughs> pink bear was very prominent during uh, Hank's a- oh, or uh, Walt's ass shot. I forgot to mention this in the cast. Yeah, there's a whole rack of pink bears on the right side of the screen. Mm-hmm. You probably don't see it because you're just mesmerized by uh, Walter's uh, two he- eggs and a hanky routine. But uh, the pink bears are there. They are and throughout they are. the whole season, and it's like it led up to that. It's like, but that's good, right? Because that follows him through the series. The eye is something that he holds on to. The eye is a reminder of what damage this is actually doing to people. Certainly, I feel I and, like and that. that landing in his fucking pool and him. Reaching down into the filter and pulling that out and seeing what it means, yeah, I think it works maybe a little more in retrospect than I'm it did. Very at the time. curious to see what I think after Going seeing into the entire three. series and yeah. and 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 how I feel about it. But I just remember, and it's part of it is maybe the way it's shot because they just kept on pulling closer and closer on John Delancey's face and. <laughs> and my knowledge of air traffic control and just, it's just, uh-huh. I don't know. There's, 
so let's get to her second point before I continue to shit on this. Okay. Two, the plane crash was awesome character development for Saul Goodman. The way he was out advertising to the victims, the way he wore that <laughs> ribbon for way too long. Yeah, yeah, Told yeah. us so much about who Saul Goodman is. And it was great comedy. The plane crash is more strongly connected to Saul's life than any of our main characters. So, for the Saul of it all, for the benefit of getting the preachiness out of the way, and for the fake eye that kept rolling around drawers and suitcases, I'm glad the plane crash was part of the story. And I'm glad you sent us that email, Nikki. I don't know, and and I'm kind of reflexively arguing against it because I had such a strong visceral reaction the first time I saw it. But I can't argue too strongly until we get there again. Yeah, that I mean, I'm not going to say that the plane crash is the best thing in the series. I might say that it's the worst thing in the series, but in a series that's as good as Breaking Bad... That's the thing. Something's got to be the worst, right? right. And, and to have something like as even the wire, as that be the worst. Even The Wire... You know the fake Season serial killer. The fake serial killer plotline. Fake serial killer plotline. Yeah, line. that was the whole problem with season five. McNulty made up a serial killer so he could get financing to continue oh, his private war against right. the yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is a lot of <laughs> horseshit. And also, there's uh, a minor down because I think the Simon is a little too close to material about the newspapers. Yeah, yeah. And maybe yeah. also that's just. When you when you saw the devastation that this goes to the working class man and to the education system and to the streets, mm. who gives a shit about the newspaper? Yes, they're the canary <laughs> in the mind. They should be informing us all that, but uh, that's 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 not the strongest material to, le- to, to to end with, you know? Yeah. So season two with the plane crash is kind of its weak link. Uh, the wire has it, um, but you know it doesn't keep it from being a superior piece of entertainment. Sure. Like. Yes, the plane crash, maybe it's our least favorite thing, but it's still at n- cruising at 90% above everything else mm-hmm. until it smashes into the wire and explodes <laughs> right over yeah. Vince Villigan's uh, uh, pork pie-shaped pool. I think he's got a pool that's shaped like a pork pie. Like hat. a pork pie? A pork pie hat. Not oh. a real pork oh, pie. Oh, okay, a pork pie <laughs> Although he's a th- southern gentleman. Maybe it is shaped like a pork pie. So, so is like the middle of it is deeper? And the edges are just very shallow. Oh, see, like an up, I was an upside I was seeing this down really inverted... weird like profile shot of it where you had this thing. No, but I like yours. Or better. he has like a waterfall, like like a fountain with a waterfall. All of your suggestions pool. much better. I, I like the <laughs> inverted pork pie in the ground. Okay, and it can even have a, like a little band going on the outside with a like oh, yeah, an yeah. inverted uh, bow, little mm-hmm. ribbon, give a little flare, little class. Okay. Is that it for our feedback? That's it. I'm stretching. All right. I'm stretching this podcast out. I, we don't need to stretch our podcast, man. They no. end up being two hours whether we try or not. We need to trim them up, in fact. Yeah. This one's only 120-something, so oh well, it's a, a welcome change, At I least think. the seven minutes of stretching I can do. <laughs> no. No, no, no. We're I done. Need, I need the wiggle room. We're d- I got to have the wiggle room. <laughs> I know you love the wiggle room, but no, we're done. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. I, I found the spoiler section kind of interesting this time. Like, sometimes I don't because, you know, all of this stuff is floating around in my head mm-hmm. already. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. But it's it made me reconsider some of that plane stuff. Sure. And I'm, I'm really curious when we get to that if we're going to be as hard on it as we were going into season four. Mm. But, yeah, because, yeah, that's the other thing is the Jesse and, and Jane stuff is so strong. It is. Yeah, so it really sticks out. You needed an exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. You didn't need a T.O. shit in his pants. <laughs> All right, that's it. And with that, we're we're taking this podcast out. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. Wiggle, wiggle. <laughs>